All right. What's up, everyone? It's Zach. And today I'm here with a very special guest. I'm here with Dan Harrison. Dan, how are you? I'm doing better than, better than I deserve, sir. How are you today? <laughs> Glad to hear it. I, I would say the same. I would definitely say the same. So, uh, you know, good to be here and good to catch up with you. So thank you for taking the time to, to join the podcast. It is my pleasure. I got to say, uh, you've had some some great people on here, you know, the Mark Hansons and Jake Amos yeah. of the world just high performers and just genuinely good people. So it's a, it's an honor to be on. Yeah. And it's an honor to have you and to include you in that list of great people. So um, it's going to be a great conversation to those of you listening back home. Um, Dan is someone that I've, I've had the, the privilege and pleasure of knowing for quite a while. Um, we go back to CMU. So Dan's a fellow Chippewa fire up chips. Um, fun fact, he was actually my RA for, I don't know, a year or, a couple of years or something, but um, that we go back to CMU, and uh, since then, Dan's found himself uh, kind of like in the business world okay, and in uh, the the Air National Guard, and now he works through for them as well. So, um, really cool, you know, interesting journey, and uh, a lot of interest in things like myself, so passion in sports and um, being active and things like that. So, I'm excited to to dive into different uh, passions and topics with you. Yes, sir. I'm looking forward to it as yeah. well. Awesome. So I know I kind of just gave a, a quick little overview of, of yourself, Dan, but do you mind going in depth a little bit about your background, who you are, what you're doing, all that good stuff? Yeah, not at all. So uh, I am a Catholic husband and father. Uh, I refer to myself as a Christ admirer. <laughs> That's where I'm at in my, in my faith journey. Yeah. Uh, I enjoy pretty much everything fitness related, just being outside, moving my body. Um, like you said, I'm an airman in the Michigan Air National Guard, proud CMU alum, fire up chips. Um, I'm from Michigan, born and raised here. I love it. Uh, southwest part of the state. I know you kind of alluded to the sports, but me growing up, sports was, gosh, as far back as I can remember. Uh, my Both my parents are from Chicago. My dad actually played football for Notre Dame uh, back in the 80s under Lou Holtz. So okay. some of my earliest memories are playing playing Notre Dame in the basement with my brothers, just tackling each other into the couch or the, the concrete sometimes. <laughs> but, um, yeah, played a lot of sports growing up. I uh, had the privilege of meeting a lot of great people through that. And um, in a way, it kind of led me to CMU. Got to meet even more people, met my eventual wife. And, you know, here we are. Yeah. So you mentioned that sports kind of led you to CMU. How, how did it lead you to CMU? Yeah, so when I was growing up, I, I lived in one town, and I actually ended up switching schools. <laughs> Looking back, I mean, I mean, the reason I did it is because I wanted to play football for for a little bit of a bigger program. Okay, um, I'd never played football before, so I was kind of taking a taking a shot in the dark. Yeah, <clears throat> excuse me. And so I I switched schools. Uh, did not go well my first year, <laughs> and then um, you know I had luckily I had some coaches that kind of not only worked on me as a football player, but worked with me as a person mm -hmm. and developing some discipline, the work ethic. Um, and, you know, I turned out to have a, a pretty successful high school career. Uh, playing, I played football was my main sport and ran track. Mm -hmm. um, so I had a great time with that. I had, had a lot of success with my teammates. Um, I didn't play in college, but when right. I, I look back at my sports journey, I said it led me to CMU because the, the person I was and the trajectory I was on before I got really serious about my, my athletic pursuits, um, that wouldn't, wouldn't have gotten me into the program that I got into at CMU. Okay. Um, testament to, you know, the time and effort that people put into me. Yeah. Um, but that, that was a big part of me kind of going on that journey, getting into the program at CMU and, you know, being able to, to get through the coursework there was what I learned on a sports field years before I ever even knew what Central Michigan was. Right. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I think that, you know, you know, I love sports too. And I grew up playing sports and everything. And I don't know, sometimes, you know, I, I get people say like, oh, it's just a sport. Like, you know, it's, it's just a game and it, it totally is. Right. And even if you play college or professionally, like, you're really fortunate to just like play a game and, you know, have a career out of it, make a living out of it, whatever the case may be. But I really 
truly think that getting involved with sports, you can learn so many life lessons or so many lessons that like translate to so many different aspects of our just experiences throughout life. No, I, I definitely agree. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing for me too, um, you know, you and I, we, you know, it's, it's fitness now because there's less organized sport right. opportunities. You know, when you're out in the real world, you know, moving your body and with other people, it's a, it, it's a sometimes cruel teacher, but yeah. it's a very effective teacher. And you, you learn a lot and you get to apply in the real world what, what you learn right. versus just kind of getting told and mentally thinking about mm-hmm. it. Um, it sticks, you know, it kind of becomes part of your psyche at that point. Yeah. I like how you brought up the mental aspect of it just there because I think that like a lot of sports and training for sports and practicing, it's just, it's a mental game. And I think that like, if you can kind of learn that it's, it can really help in it with your job or just like with relationships or whatever, just like having that like mental kind of discipline and just like being able to tell yourself that like, especially with like, I don't know, I think about running, for example, like I think sometimes it can be like, oh, you know, running 10 miles is so far, but it's like mentally, like, you know, you, you can do it. It's more of a mental game than a physical game sometimes. Well, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, I'm, I'm sure you, you can think of specific instances where you were able to transfer what you learned mm-hmm. on the sports field. Honestly, for me, like I said, I'm in the Air National Guard. Yeah. So a couple of years ago, I was at Lackland Air Force Base for basic military training. You know, I look back at that, you know, yeah. as a whole, basic training was one of the more difficult things I've done. Sure. But I look at any given day of basic training versus any given day of our four-a-day football practices in the middle of August. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? Yeah. Those those are honestly tougher. Yeah. And our coaches, yeah. honestly, be dogging us. And uh, it it definitely helped me. And you could tell a basic training. You could tell who uh, who had played sports, who had been yelled at before, who could kind of sure. take a little bit of heat. And then there was other people that this was their first time getting yelled at. You can you can right. see it because they just they clam up, they 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 freeze, they get nervous. Right. Um, and so it, you know, it kind of in a way it kind of felt like I was going back to you know a fun time in my life playing sports. Yeah. When I was at basic, so that that got me through some uh, some long days there down in Texas. Yeah. No, I can imagine, and you know, it's it's interesting that you brought that up because like based on what I know of you and like your, your athletic background, you know, in sports and working out fitness, just being active and stuff. Like when, when I heard that you were serving, like I wasn't surprised, like it, it made sense. And I was like, Oh, I could see you doing that. But like, I didn't know that was something that you, you ever had interest in. So like, were you always interested and in kind of keeping it in the back of the mind or how did it come about for you to actually join up? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. So, uh, I suppose the the short version would be uh, so I graduated from Central Michigan in nineteen. And I yeah. was working in sports. I was working in minor league baseball. Right. Really fun job, but really bad time to be working in minor league baseball because obviously a year later, pandemic comes around. Mm-hmm. I get laid off. Mm-hmm. I was on unemployment for a while, just kind of hanging out. Uh, my older brother, he's actually in the Army National Guard. Okay. And he he'd kind of been prodding at me to look into it for a while and he, he caught me at a good time he, he lives in florida but he came up to visit for a wedding he said hey you gotta check it out whether it's the army air force whatever mm-hmm. they can they can really there's some good perks so i did got in touch with the recruiter and then you know off i went on that journey um but i think leading up to that there was there was a bit more of a lead up i mean i've got my family history going all the way back to the civil war battle of shiloh i had ancestors i guess you could say at this point yeah you know out of illinois who fought you know they died in that battle i had two great great uncles that died in world war ii mm-hmm. um, my grandfather served during vietnam it's uh so i, I suppose when i when i looked at it i'm like yeah it is, it is sort of a family legacy yeah. and and i will say there was a lot of like practical reasons i joined you know there's education benefits to pay mm-hmm. but there is not to sound all gung-ho and patriotic, but there's that bit of, you know, I want to serve my country sure. and kind of carry on that family family legacy. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great that you've been able to kind of carry on that legacy. And yeah, I mean, like, of course, like you said, like there's that kind of, you know, that aspect of it, but then also 
practical benefits to doing it as well. So it's nice that you were able to do both and like found genuine pleasure and, and satisfaction doing it for both reasons. It wasn't just like I did it for only one reason. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's yeah. always nice when you can kind of uh, join those two yes. together. Because so often it's it's either I really enjoy this, but it's not like I can make a living out of right. it. Right. <laughs> this right. is kind of some trivial thing versus yeah, this is important. This is how I how I you know pay the bills, but mm -hmm. it's a drain and it's terrible. Yeah. So uh, to be able to kind of combine the two, it's it's good. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and now, right. where you're at right now, like. Are you, I, I, I apologize if I'm miss, you know, saying any terms or anything, but like, are you active duty with it or are you just like working for the National Guard, but not like serving, if that makes sense? Yeah. So it's, uh, it's kind of an interesting um, way it's set up with the Guard. Yeah. So technically I am active duty mm -hmm. at the moment. I'm, I'm a Guard member, but I'm activated. So you know, I, I go to work every day, mm -hmm. put on the, the OCP uniform. Um, you know, it's, it's in a lot of ways, it's kind of like your typical office job. What I do, I, I don't fly any planes. I kind of wish I did. It'd be, <laughs> it'd be a lot of fun, but I'm a little too tall and yeah. my eyes are a little too bad for that. Okay. <laughs> but, yeah. It's, it's, it's essentially an office job, but, um, you know, put on the uniform every day and okay. do your thing. Gotcha. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. And, I know you talked a little bit about basic and your experiences with that. And I guess the question that came to mind is like, is there anything that you learned about yourself when you're going through basic training that like you didn't already know, or that like your athletic background didn't prepare you for? Yeah, that's, that's another really good question. So uh, the thing about air force basic training, um, I don't, <laughs> It's tough. I, I don't want to oversell it. Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people think basic training. They think, you know, full metal jacket. Yeah. Um, all those other, all those other war movies you see. And, right. You know, Green Corps, Army. The, there's no, there's no movies about Air Force basic training. Mm -hmm. um, it's a lot more mental is what I've heard. Okay. I actually know a couple people who've gone through both, but it's, it's a lot. We didn't, you're not like running around in the woods uh, with a, with an 80 pound rucksack and you're not crawling through the mud. It's a lot more you're focusing on your attention to detail. So mm. you fold a lot of clothes and you get yelled at a lot for not folding your clothes right. And you march around a lot, you get yelled at for not marching. Um, so it wasn't so much the physical, like the physical aspect of it. You know, I, I had that down. Yeah. Uh, but the mental aspect was tough. And I, I sometimes I'll say the best part of basic training was, you know, I was, I was in a flight of 50 people. Mm-hmm. I got to spend time with, with 49 other guys that I did not know before I got there, obviously. Um, and that was also the worst part of basic training because you get on each other's nerves. Yeah. You were literally, there's yeah. no privacy for eight weeks. Um, but if I, if I learned anything, I was a lot more, I was a lot braver than I thought I could be because okay. there's a lot of, times where you have to kind of stick your neck out mm -hmm. for your for your wingman as we call it you know they want to teach you accountability and they want to teach you not to to shirk the blame mm -hmm. um and that was something that i kind of knew conceptually you know jocko willink extreme ownership stuff mm -hmm. along those lines but again to apply it like uh, I, I was fortunate enough i got put in a leadership position to call it the dorm chief so uh, maybe unfortunate enough <laughs> but you're you're essentially the head guy okay and uh the, the the instructor goes through you to disseminate information to everyone and then when something gets messed up which it inevitably will mm -hmm. um you get in trouble for it even if you didn't gotcha. do it so there was a lot of times i was getting in trouble for things i didn't really have control over yeah but, uh, and the, it was you were expected to kind of step up and lead even when instructions were ambiguous gotcha um, i'd say one kind of practical to kind of distill it down okay Going into it, I always thought like I was not feeling very brave, not feeling very courageous going into it. It's like, well, once I get used to it, like mm -hmm. once I get like a weekend and I know the the program, I'll be ready to get after it. Yeah, uh, I quickly learned, and so in my mind it was, I need to develop the competence, and then I'll have the courage mm -hmm. to step up and be a leader. And I quickly learned that yeah, it's it's the inverse. Mm -hmm. You have to have the courage to step up 
and to do whatever the task is at hand. Yeah. And that's how you gain the competence. Okay. And that was when I felt like I saw that when I thought of those two words and put the dots together. Cause I'd seen it before in my life sure. with sports, with school. But in that moment I was like, okay, I can't sit around and wait to, uh, to kind of build up these skills then to get con, you know, to get courageous. Right. You just got to kind of step out and do it. Yeah. And, you know, it's a training environment. It was a safe environment to do so. Mm-hmm. But that that's what stuck with me. And that's been invaluable okay. you know, in a relationship with my wife. Yeah. Being a father. Yeah. It's been a big, it's been a game changer. I love it. That's awesome. And so you said, what was it? Was it dorm chief? You said it was called? Yes. Yeah. Dorm chief. Dorm so chief. They, I don't call them barracks in the Air Force. Yeah. You're dorm. Okay. So I was. I was the head honcho. So I don't know, man. Like to me, that sounds like you're just being RA all over again. RA all over again. You know, in a, in a way, I, and I kind of thought about that while I was there. I used a lot of what I learned as an RA yeah. in those types of training <laughs> because um, a lot of it was you had to be there for your wingman because some of these guys had never left home before. You know, right. I was 24 right. at the time. Some of these guys were. 17 18 years old they mm. never left home they never had a job yeah um yeah. never really had anyone to hold them accountable and you know mental you know obviously mental health was a it's it's a delicate balance to strike because you're trying to push people and you're trying to put them under pressure mm-hmm. but at the same time you know you don't want to push it too far right and we had some guys who kind of were on the verge of breaking down and then some people had to step in and have conversations and in those, when I was having conversations with people, it was, I literally was, I was thinking back to Lars Lear Hall. Yeah. I was like, I'm thinking back to RA training. Like, you know, you're in this military environment. You're supposed to be kind of tough and macho, but you got to be able to kind of pivot. Right. And say, all right. right. Tell me what's wrong. Like, like, like talk to me. You got to be really sensitive. So um, that was, that was nice to kind of fall back on that. Yeah. that's funny and yeah like i said in the the introduction um to everyone listening get dan was my ra at larzy um so yeah it's just funny to think about and um maybe i'm biased or whatever but i would say that from my experiences you did a good job there back in back in undergrad uh you know commanding the floor and and you know making sure everyone was doing well so uh, i'm sure that those skills translated well for you when you were uh the dorm chief um basic Oh, I, I appreciate yeah. that. That's a very kind thing for you to say. And I, I will say I did have, there was four other like student or yeah, student leaders okay. with the flight that helped. And, and you know, even being an RA, having experienced uh, residents like yourself to, to kind of help and yeah. lead the charge there. Exactly. Make it a lot easier. So I appreciate, you know, the way you were as a resident as well. Yeah, of course. Of course, man. Of course. Of course man. So, we're kind of pivoting gears a bit and I, now I'm genuinely curious because I don't know if I know the origin of this but you know you you have family ties to, to Chicago but you're you're a Packers fan oh gosh I had a feeling this would come up <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I know this story yeah. or what what the reasoning behind it is yeah that's a question my family asks me all the time so <laughs> I, I guess i'll go quickly through this yeah, but yeah my, my whole family line is in chicago we did the little ancestry.com okay uh, dna testing yeah it's so so much it's all chicago all chicago um so yeah my parents are, are big bears fans mm-hmm. cubs fans i just remember as a kid you know like i said football was was our thing so football was always on mm-hmm. my dad was always watching and I just remember, I remember it very vividly. It was, it was like 2000, I was five years old. So it was 2002 mm-hmm. and the Packers were on. It was, it was a Monday night or a Sunday night, um, probably Monday or Monday night. And I just remember looking at them. It was Brett Favre. Mm-hmm. I was like, I just, I like that team. I didn't know what it was. The colors maybe. <laughs> I mean, the logo's just a G. Yeah. But yeah, I was like, I like that team and it stuck. And I've been a huge Packers fan since. And honestly, I mean, I'm a Chicago White Sox fan, which is uh which is miserable. Yeah. But that's that's my only Chicago team. Okay. The, the part of Michigan I live in, it's kind of like the battle line between Detroit and Chicago sports. Yeah. So it's almost there's almost as many Bears fans here really? as there are Lions fans. Okay. 
yeah, it's kind of kind of interesting. But you know, growing up, we got the Chicago newspaper, mm-hmm. so they're always you know ragging on the Packers, and maybe that just made me like them more. Okay, that felt like emboldened by the Chicago press, yeah, complaining about Brett Favre and then Aaron Rodgers. So. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, you know, being a Packers fan right now is is better than being a Bears fan because that that's that's tough right now with how they're playing, but um. I, I will say, and we, we talked about it uh, offline earlier, but uh, being a Lions fan is a fun time, so I, I am glad that uh, it's finally an exciting time to be a Lions fan, for me at least. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy for you guys. I'm like, you know, sure. as long as it's not the Bears, yeah. and especially not the Vikings, yeah, I'll, I'll take you. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> Perfect. So what's your what's your take on the Packers? Um now that the era or the the Rodgers era is over, um, are, are you a Jordan Love believer, or are they a few years out from being competitive? Or what are your thoughts on the team? I, I do believe in Love. Okay, um, you know they're a young team, mm-hmm. but they I, I like what I've seen so far. They've got a lot of fight, mm-hmm. and that's you know another great thing. Even when you're watching sports, you could take that. Like you know, you look at the Packers; they're not they got a lot of talent, but they're really young. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of I can kind of relate that to my maybe not so much the talent part, but the young part, the inexperienced part, like, you know, you watch them go out there, they play hard, mm-hmm. uh, they kind of take the good with the bad. And that's something, you know, anybody can learn from. Yeah. But fairly sports related, I think obviously this isn't going to be their year, mm-hmm. but who knows? Yeah. Maybe two or three years down yeah. the road. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, obviously I'm a Lions fan, but when the Packers, when the Bears, when they're both doing well, like it, it's just more fun. Being a football fan is just more fun when the teams are the the whole division is is playing well. So I I do hope that the I, the Packers do well. And it's funny because I, I don't know if this was just like something to do with the, the around the time that we grew up and stuff, but I specifically remember liking the Packers like in the early 2000s and maybe it was brett Favre, but i actually have like this very random green bay packers lamp that i like saw at a store when i was like seven or something i was like oh, i need that that's so cool so i i did have a packers phase but um i'm i'm lions through and through go. but there's something about the packers i don't know it's just like a historic franchise brett Favre was great during our our childhoods and stuff and uh just a classic lambo is just classic yeah, I've never gotten to to attend okay. attend a game there. Would definitely love to. I feel like a bad Packers fan. Yeah, you gotta do I it. That. I said that all the time with my faith. I'm like, oh, I feel like a bad Catholic because I haven't done this or that. Sure. I feel like a bad Packers fan too, and Urban the Lambo. It's, like, <laughs> it's like a pilgrimage almost. Right. For right. You'll have to do fans. it sometime. So, on the topic of football, something I'm kind of curious on is, you know, you you obviously played football, like we've talked about a little bit, and. I've never played football um, organized. I, I, you know, I played just for, for fun with friends and at school for recess and stuff, but I've never played organized football. But a lot of folks that I know that have played football, whether it's just in high school, maybe collegiately, even professionally, like a lot of people have said just like the game has just changed so much from maybe when we were growing up, um, you know, in the 90s, 2000s, whatever it might be, um, to the game that we have now, just like in terms of, how it's played, the speed of it, or even, you know, I, I've seen a lot of criticism about like just how, you know, you can't even like tackle or, or hit, you know, the same way that you could a decade ago. So do you have any general thoughts about like the game or how it's changed from maybe when you played or when you were watching it growing up to the game that we see nowadays? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I think for the most part, the changes it obviously is a very different game yeah things change that's that's the sign that something is uh alive like if, if the game of football hadn't changed mm-hmm. it's probably dying out at that point um but I, I think it's they're good for the most part and then if we're talking about like the safety yeah um and the rule changes uh, and i say that because in my experience i was very fortunate i got out pretty pretty unscathed health-wise can't say the same for you know some of my good friends. Sure. Messed up shoulders, messed up knees, backs. Mm-hmm. Some you know concussions are obviously a huge, huge thing. Uh, I got a friend who uh, 
messed up his head pretty bad and he still is is kind of dealing with some of the side effects from that yeah 10 you know 11 years later yeah um, so i think the 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 rule changes there are good yeah um, and it's, it's interesting now being a father i have i have a, a girl she has turned one mm-hmm. so she probably won't play like you know, organized high school football maybe right but that's something my wife and i have talked about and you know, we're not we're not convinced we really want our kids to play mm-hmm. football which it's kind of weird to hear myself say it because it was it was such an important part of my you know my upbringing and my yeah. development and i love the game yeah. love the game but it is it is dangerous yeah and yeah i look back and i never had a, a concussion per se but i can think of a few very specific hits where i'm like yeah probably if i ever got one it was probably there yeah and it's kind of you kind of wonder you know when i'm up at night you know, trying to fall asleep. Sometimes your mind wanders. Like, you know, you see all the stuff about CTE and mm-hmm. all the, the brain damage, brain injuries. It's like, you know, what's it going to be like 20, 30 years from now? Yeah. So I personally, you know, I love a good football game. I love a big hit, mm-hmm. but I think, I think trying to rein it in and make it safer for the players is, is a good thing. Yeah. Cause it is a beautiful game. Yeah. And you learn a lot from it. Um, but there are you know, some negative side sure. effects to it. Yeah, no, I appreciate your perspective. And I agree. I mean, again, I've never played, so I can't have super strong personal opinions. But, um, you know, it's, it's a great game. It's a great sport, but it can be dangerous and really jeopardize people's people's health. So I, I do think that, you know, I, like you said, I'm, I'm all for a big hit and everything. But I think that the rules and how the game has changed has made it safer for, for folks. And I think that that's the important thing. Um, something that like kind of you brought up there is, uh, you know, being, being a father and, and a husband and, you know, congratulations on, on both those fronts. Um, I'm just curious, like how, how has that been for you? How has it, like, what are the big life lessons you've learned or, you know, did you um, feel prepared for it or are you still kind of like learning every day as you go through the journey? <laughs> yeah. So I, I'd say, you know, being a husband, being a father, it's, uh, it's amazing, Yeah, you know, and, there was a time in my life where I was kind of, I always knew I wanted to be a dad. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get married. I suppose I've always had kind of a more, I guess, traditional mindset, mm-hmm. if you want to put it that way, um, about that. Um, one th- one thing I've, I've been surprised by is I, I never spent a lot of time around babies and like really little kids. Mm-hmm. So I had to learn, you know, I had to learn how to change a diaper and do the bottle and, and burp and all that yeah. but um and my wife ellie she did a fantastic job of teaching me all those things she's a very maternal person yeah um, so she gave me a lot of confidence with that but kind of right from right off the bat I, I felt a lot more confident in a way than i thought it would like i'm like it's different when it's your own child right and that might be a might be evolutionary thing like i remember when when they first held her up after she was born well first i thought she looked like my niece <laughs> But I was like, that's, she looked a lot like me. And I was like, oh, that's, that's my baby. And I did, it's almost like you don't even consciously do it, but you just feel and think so differently yeah. with that child. Yeah. And it's, and it's so easy and just comes so naturally to love, you know, love her. Her name's Cecilia. Yeah. She's great. Um, it's, it's so easy just to, to be affectionate with her and to love her. Um, and obviously having the support of a, of a good spouse yeah. goes a long way with that. So it's, it has challenges. Like I said, Mm -hmm. I will say one and another big thing I've drawn from it. I've really, it's really prompted me to focus on my faith more yeah, and to kind of rely more on, on that higher power Mm -hmm. that I believe in, you know, to rely on God because as as great as it makes you feel being a husband and a father, um, it also shows a lot of how, of where you fall short Mm -hmm. and a lot, how you have a lot of stuff to work on. Um, and how I can't really do it on my own. I need my family and you know, I, I need my faith yeah. to, to hold me accountable and kind of push me further. Definitely. Well, first, I just want to take a quick, quick second to say shout out to Ellie because uh, she's always been fantastic. And uh, I, I, to anyone listening, I knew her as well from, from school. So fantastic person. And I'm just super happy for the two of you. But um, shout out to shout out to her. Um, but yeah, Dan, you mentioned kind of in what you just shared, the support of your family and the support of your faith. So those are two things that I, I'd love to to chat with you on. So, you know, I'll just start with the family piece of it. Um, 
something that I'm curious is like, I know, you know, your, your daughter's still very young. So maybe this might not be something you've experienced or seen yet or had a chance to, to have like a realization of, but now that you're a parent yourself and a father, do you see any of the things that like you're doing for her or with her kind of like, are you seeing like signs of like your parents in you, your own parenting style and how you are now? Yes. Okay. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it it kind of reminds me, I forget what company it is, but they do those commercials where like, you know, you're, you're a homeowner and you're becoming your parents. Yeah. Um, but I, I have seen, I have seen that coming through. Okay. Um, specific, obviously my dad, yeah. you know, I'm a dad and that makes sense. Right. But my dad's a very, he's been kind of like a very serious person, but he's always very affectionate with us as, as children. Okay. He was always very goofy. Okay. And that's something I've, again, it's, I don't really think about it, but when I'm with her, I'm just always like making really weird voices, <laughs> trying to make her laugh, yeah, doing all this stuff and like going around the side of the door and hiding and peeking my head out. And like, that's, <laughs> Ellie pointed it out too. She's like, that's literally what your dad does. Um, yeah, I guess, I guess I learned from the best. Yeah, you know? there you go. My dad's, my dad's, you know, yeah. he's one of my heroes. I'm like, you know, I, I could do a lot worse if, yeah. if I end up uh, being like him. That's awesome. And like awesome. with that kind of example and everything, it sounds like it's almost like you're taking things from your dad or like you're you're doing things that you learned or seen him do. That, and like you don't even necessarily realize it all the time, right? No, no, not at all. Yeah. It's 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 so interesting how that stuff can get imprinted on us, mm -hmm. whether it's our friends, coworkers, whatever, sure. especially our parents, because you know, they have such a huge influence. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm fortunate to say, obviously, nobody's perfect. No one has right. perfect parents. But I'm fortunate to say, you know, both of my parents were, you know, they're they're both still around. Yeah. Thanks be to God. And um, great, just continue to be a great influence. Mm -hmm. You know, feel very fortunate that Cece and my in-laws as well, Ellie's parents, they're still around. And it's great to be able to have the whole family yeah. you know, together and there to support her. Cause you know, it's, it, it really changed when you have a kid, it's like, I just, I want to give her the world. Yeah. I want to do everything I can to um, give her the best. Yeah. I want to give her the best of me. So I love that, man. That, that, that makes my heart really happy. And, you know, again, you know, I, I have always had great interactions with you and I've been fortunate to call you a friend throughout the years. And, you know, you're, you're, you're genuinely a really good person. And, um, you know, I, I think that you're going to continue to do amazing things just in, in this world in general, but also as a husband and as a father. So I'm, I'm just happy for you all. Oh, that is, that is a very kind. Yeah, sir. of course. That, that means a lot again, coming from you, because we, we've been fortunate to have, you know, pretty pretty in-depth conversations yeah. over the years and uh I, could, I can definitely say the same for you i appreciate that um, i know you've definitely impacted me on my journey so that's no i appreciate that yeah. a lot thank you of course of course and it's it's an honor and i appreciate your words as well and you know kind of switching gears to the other side of that equation of, of where you get support and everything um you mentioned your faith and i think that you know from knowing you in college I, I want to say that I knew that faith was in your life, but I don't life. think I knew maybe how important it is, or, or maybe it, it wasn't a huge part of your life then and it is now, but I was wondering, could you kind of walk me through your, your faith journey a bit? Yeah, for sure. So uh, I'm a, I'm a cradle Catholic. So um, I was baptized about a month after I was born okay. back in, you know, late nineties. Yeah. Um, and I've gone to church my whole life. Yeah. And, you know, so went to um, catechism class, received all my sacraments. And for a long time, like I, you know, I prayed, I believed in God and I'd go to church just because it was the thing you do. Mm -hmm. But it didn't really have any practical impact on how I lived mm -hmm. my life. Um, in college, I kind of started making it more my own. Okay. Um, and it was actually my last semester of college, I studied abroad in Mexico. Right. So I was doing a Spanish major and it was there <laughs> kind of oddly enough. Uh, I stayed with the, the family I stayed with. They were Christians. They weren't Catholic, but they were uh, a Protestant denomination mm -hmm. of you know, Christianity. Awesome. I, I got so lucky with the family I was with. They were so kind. 
the minute I got there, they said, don't, don't view yourself as a guest. You're, you're part of the family. Like you don't need to ask to get food out of the fridge. You don't need to ask to do this, that, or the other. Um, so a great family. Mm-hmm. Um, and I honestly, I credit them with helping me grow more in my faith because um, they had questions about Catholicism. Uh, Cause you know, pro- there's a lot of different Protestant beliefs out there. Um, but they had, you know, they'd ask me very, they asked me questions about why I believed what I believe. And admittedly, I didn't know because I never, never thought about the questions they were asking. And I said, well, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll research that and I'll get back to you. It was a great opportunity to practice my Spanish too. Yeah. Um, but through their questions, it, it kind of opened up an intellectual door to me into the church, into the faith. And it, it started just making sense to me. And I, and I was like, wow, there's, there's so much to learn. Mm-hmm. And I, I've only scratched the surface. <laughs> that's for sure. Right. But uh, yeah, I, I really, I credit them with kind of opening that up to me. And then, um, you know, I, I got back from Mexico and it was applying what I'd learned and kind of that, that interior shift that I had and putting it into my life back home. Um, and in my intro, I said, I was, I'm a, I'm a Christ admirer. Yeah this point i'm kind of stealing there's a, a really good movie came out in 2019 it's directed by terrence malick it's called a hidden life okay it's uh it's about a he's not a saint yet he's blood he's on the way to become a canonized saint in the catholic church okay but his name was franz jagerstetter okay he was a conscientious objector in world war ii he lived in austria and he refused to swear an oath to hitler hmm. um and I'll I'll leave it at that, but it's it's a beautiful, beautiful movie. Definitely recommend, you know, listeners or yourself give it a watch. It's kind of a slow burn. It's very artistic. Okay. <laughs> a lot of scenes of farming in the Austrian <laughs> countryside. Okay. But uh there's there's one scene that really it kind of it changed my life in a way. Okay. There's a scene where Franz is he's talking with this guy who's painting the church and he's painting the apostles and he's painting Jesus and the Virgin Mary. Mm-hmm. Um, and he talks about how what well, he's, he's painting. It doesn't create followers of Jesus. It just creates admirers of Jesus. And mm-hmm. he says, I help people sit in those pews. I help them look up and dream. And, you know, to think that if they lived back in Jesus's time, mm-hmm. they wouldn't have done what everybody else did. You know, they would have stood by them. They would have stood by their faith. He says, in reality, they would have, you know, they would have, been in that mob that, mm-hmm. that killed Jesus, that had him crucified. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's and he talks about how following Jesus, you know, follow what and whatever your faith might be, really adhering to, and even if it's not a religious faith, if it's a higher cause, if it's a you know a social justice cause you feel about really following it and giving yourself to it, it it's it puts a lot of demands on you. Mm-hmm. It requires a lot. And it's hard. Right. And I think for me, when I look, when that, that, that struck me because I said, you know, maybe I'm not at the point where I'm really following Jesus like I should. I admire Jesus a lot. I admire, his, you know, his church. I admire the Catholic church. Mm-hmm. But it was kind of a challenge to me to, to dive more in depth to it, uh, which I've been doing. Yeah. And um, but I, I think about that movie a lot. I think about that scene a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh how it kind of impacted me on my on my journey yeah no i really appreciate you sharing that i think it's it's really interesting to hear people's individual journeys through their faith because i think there might be some overlap but i think everyone has a unique journey and i think the overlap that I'm, i might be referring to is i think a lot of folks have that experience where it's kind of like you kind of believe or have or you know you have your faith because it's it's what you grew up doing or what your family did or what you know just felt like the the right or normal thing to do but then you go through that time where like you really try to make it your own because i think you have to at the end of the day like make it your own and it sounds like that was kind of the experience and it is really kind of set you on this path that you're on now yes yes definitely yeah. whether it's faith or any other aspect of life right. like you know you gotta you gotta make it your own mm-hmm. and you gotta you gotta make decisions yeah you know, and, and those some decisions are better than others right. and some are easier than others but um you know that's part of life yeah. is 
kind of making those choices and, and uh, kind of setting your own path. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, question that I have for you is I know that, you know, just talking to people, I mean, on this podcast, but also just off, off the podcast, just in personal conversations when it comes to faith, I know sometimes people, and, and I've even been in this, this boat myself, um, you know, from time to time, it's like, I want to be more involved with my faith or I want to better commit or practice it. But like, where do I even start or how do I even begin? Or, you know, I, I don't know anything about, about religion or faith and I want to learn. Like, do you have any advice or tips to, to folks who might want to kind of dive into that relationship, um, but kind of aren't sure where to start? Yes, of course. Uh, so I'll, I'll preface this by saying, so I'll, I'll give, I'll give my advice mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm going to talk about it from my perspective yeah. as a Catholic. And uh, I know, I know the, the listeners are able to, you know, apply that to their own situation. Mm -hmm. If it's a different Christian denomination, you know, denomination or a different faith, yeah. I know they can, they can apply it to themselves. For sure. Uh, but also for me, <laughs> I mean, I was, I was a starving man. I, I still am a starving man in a way. And, mm -hmm. I found bread, I found food in, in my faith. And I, you know, I love showing other people where I found it, you mm -hmm. know, where I found that fulfillment and that happiness. Um, but for me, if, if someone came up to me and asked like, Hey, I want to learn more about faith. My approach to it would be what's something that you could do that you would do that would get you to your goal. And if your goal is to learn more about God, learn more about Catholicism or Christianity or whatever, mm -hmm. something you would do or something you could do that you would do. So my first piece of advice would be to hop on YouTube or to hop on Google. Mm -hmm. and think there's got to be one question. There's probably multiple, but think of that one question that is just kind of getting in your way. That's like, that's like just really a thorn in your side. That, mm -hmm. That's kind of keeping you from exploring deeper. Yeah. And I'd look it up on YouTube and I'd find the, the most popular video and I'd watch it. So it could be, how could God exist if bad things happen in the world? Mm -hmm. Does he not, does, does God care about me? Right. You could Google that, watch that first video. And even if what the person says, even if you don't agree with it, or you're like, oh, I don't, I don't really know. Just give it a chance. Mm -hmm. So I think what that does is it's accessible. Yeah. You know, anyone, we spend a lot of time on our phones. You can, you can watch a YouTube video. Mm -hmm. I think it's, it goes to show that your doubt doesn't disqualify you from believing in God. Mm -hmm. It's not an unreasonable thing. A lot of smart people have thought what you're thinking over the years. And at the same time, a lot of smart, you know, well-intended people have thought of a response to it and, you know, have a, have an answer. So I think it, it, it may, it kind of grounds what you're thinking and kind of brings it into reality and says, okay, I'm not an outlier here. Mm -hmm. People have thought of this before and there are resources. Um, my second advice piece of advice after that would be to talk to somebody, you know, who has a faith life that you admire or that, um, you know, has, has some traits that you want to, you know, duplicate in your life. Yeah. Um, because that's that way it's it can be personalized they can share their doubts they can share their successes mm -hmm. um, and stuff like that after that if, if that conversation goes well then i would recommend praying i know a lot of people will start with um with prayer first or you know reading scripture mm -hmm. first those are great things i'd never tell anyone not to do those things right but um it can be intimidating oh yeah like you definitely. said yeah, it, it can be intimidating. You might not know what to say and, and you might feel a little silly. Like, I don't, I don't know if God's out there. Am I just sitting in my room uh, talking to myself? Right. <laughs> but, right. um, and that's, and that's all right. You know, those are the kind of questions you have to ask, but I, I would say pray. Yeah. And that can either be extemporaneous, which is the, the fancy word for just kind of from the heart, mm -hmm. just, just tell God what's on your mind, tell him what you're thankful for, what you're, what you're upset about, mm -hmm. whatever, or it could be a, a more formal prayer. Yeah. It could be like our father or for Catholics, you know, we pray the hail Mary, pray the rosary, mm -hmm. uh, either of those things. And I would say, don't worry about 
looking foolish. You can you can do this in the privacy of your home. You can you can do it in your mind. You don't even need to physically say anything. Right. And the worst thing that will happen is what you look kind of silly, but we, we all do silly things. Yeah. <laughs> like I said earlier, if someone took a video of me playing with my daughter and all the voices I do and put it on the internet, that I'd look like a like a fool yeah. in a lot of ways. Sure. But yeah, so I I'd, I'd say that, you know. Okay. Look up look up answers to the questions you have. Yeah. Talk to somebody you know and trust and then take the time to actually pray. And if you're doubting or if, if, even if you say God, I, I want to believe in you but I, I I'm struggling. Mm -hmm. Tell him that. He want he wants to hear it. Yeah. So that that'd be my advice. Awesome. No, I appreciate that. I think that's that's great advice and I think, you know, like we've all talked about it, you know, getting into faith or, or in prayer itself can be intimidating. So I think that this is some really good advice to kind of just start getting the ball rolling or to kind of ease into things. So I appreciate you sharing that and giving some some good advice. Awesome. So, you know, Dan, um kind of just as we wrap things up a bit and kind of coming to an end of our conversation, um, I know you're kind of, you're kind of off the grid, um, social media wise and everything, but to anyone that's like listening and maybe they want to connect with you or, you know, just, um, get to learn a little bit more about your story and your journey. Um, is there any good places where folks could, could connect with you? Yeah, for sure. So all, all I have in terms of social media, I have a LinkedIn account. Okay. So, uh, if you look me up there, you'll you'll see me okay. in my uh, Air Force dress uniform. Perfect. Um, but yeah, feel free to connect with me on there. Okay. Whether you want to talk about sports or <laughs> the military, yeah. or if if you need that person to, to talk about faith with, yeah. I would uh, I'd love to do that for you. Okay. Perfect. Yeah, I will put uh, Dan's LinkedIn in the description of the episode, so um, you can go down there and check it out and connect with him and. Uh, you know, have some good conversation again. Dan Dan's a great a great guy, and really fun to talk about again. Whether it's for fun with sports, or maybe it's about the military or faith or anything. Um, I know he's he's always willing to connect and chat. So uh, definitely connect with him there if uh, you found this conversation interesting. And uh, before we we officially call it an end, um, I have two more things. So one thing that I always ask at the end of podcast is, you know. To everyone listening, what's like a final message that you want to leave to the listeners? Yeah, if I had a if I had a final message, and I suppose I'll split it into two. Okay. Um, I'll just I'll go back and reiterate. Yeah. Uh, that 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 big lesson I learned at basic training. That if there's if there's something in your life that's that you need to confront or a challenge facing you. Really, really think about the that uh. This was that assertion mm -hmm. that, you know, courage precedes competence and that if you try and wait around to be good at something in order to get the courage to do it, uh, it you could be looking at it backwards. So the, the courage is going to precede the competence and whatever it might be that you're trying to achieve. Um, and then the second thing would be uh, for those of you who are on the faith journey looking to start it or are far, far ahead of where I am. Um, one of the quotes that, that really sticks with me in terms of my faith in God comes from St. Irenaeus. He lived way back in the second century. Mm -hmm. He said, the glory of God is a human being fully alive. So if that's something you are interested in, I just want you to know that God wants you to be happy mm -hmm. more than you do. And he loves you more than you could ever imagine. That's really powerful. I, I, haven't, I haven't heard that, but that's that's very powerful and really hits home so thank you for doing that awesome well dan thank you for you know kind of giving that final message to the listeners of, of both being being courageous and also just for folks on their faith journey and the last thing that i wanted to end with this is something i've never done before i actually haven't even thought of this idea until we're, we're in this moment right now so Again, to anyone listening, that's how unscripted and unprepared these these podcasts actually are. But um, you know, you're you're a new father, and um, you have your daughter, uh, Cece, and you know she's you said she just turned one and everything, so very young. And the cool thing about podcasts are that you know once this comes out there, it's it's going to be out there. It's going to be on all the podcast platforms, Spotify, YouTube, Apple, you know, whatever for 
forever essentially unless i ever take it down which i I don't have any intentions unless someone ever requests that like their episode gets taken down so if i can put you on the spot the last thing that i want to end with is someday maybe 10 years 15 years 20 years from now this episode will still be around and maybe cc will be able to listen to it so is there anything that you want to say now in 2023 that one day she might be able to hear someday from you That's a wow. That's I like that. Yeah. So yeah, I suppose uh, you know, CC, I love you. You are you are very loved, and you know your your value and worth is it comes from something that no one could ever take away. Uh, so don't don't ever let anyone do that. We'll we'll always be here for you. Always be praying for you. And I suppose on a temporary note, I do hope your ears are feeling better. <laughs> we got tubes put in your ears. And you are not happy with this, but I hope your ears don't hurt you anymore. <laughs> Love you. Awesome. Thank you, Dan. Yeah, I, I think that that's cool. I mean, I hope that, you know, you could bookmark or something this episode when it goes live and, and hopefully someday share that with her because I think that'll be cool. A little time capsule almost, but um, I appreciate your time. And, you know, it's it's always throughout the whole time I've known you. It, it's been great to connect with you and have conversations, whether they're just the surface level of, of our sports teams or the more deeper, uh, meaningful conversations that we've had. And, and certainly this one is one that uh, I'm going to hold close to me and one that I, I feel like I've grown from and learned a lot from you. And, you know, it, it truly is an honor to be able to call you a friend and to know you throughout these years. So I, I appreciate it. Um, you've done tremendous things for your life and for your family. And, you know, I'm, I'm super excited for the next phase of of the life journey for you and uh certainly i'll always be in your corner to support and and praying for you and your family's health and happiness and and everything so you know keep doing what you're doing and just uh if you ever need anything i'm always here for you but it's been a pleasure having you on and i'm happy we could share this conversation with with all the listeners Likewise, Zach, I really appreciate it again appreciate that you, you put the time and effort into these these podcasts i've got a lot out of them I'm sure other people do as well. So uh, keep keep up the great work. You're doing a great service to uh, to your listeners. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And, and yeah, thank you for being a supporter of the podcast all throughout the years. And, um, you know, anytime you want to come back, you're always more than welcome. But uh, we'll, we'll have to keep in touch and, and catch up uh, more soon. Hopefully see, see each other in person sometime because we were talking before this. Uh, it's been like five years or something since we've seen each other. So hopefully uh, we can get a reunion exactly. sometime soon too. Yeah, that'd be great. Awesome. All right, Dan. Well, thanks again. Uh, have a good night, and we'll talk soon. Yes, sir. We'll see you later. Yeah. Bye.